Future trading involves risk and is not suitable for all investors. Content provided in this segment is meant for educational purposes and is not a solicitation to buy or sell commodities. All right. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to another GDT Tuesday. I am your host, Cody Coster. With me from Chicago, Mr. John Spainhauer. John, how was your Labor Day weekend, my friend? It was fantastic, Cody. Uh, how was yours? It was good. Good weather here in Michigan and uh, got a lot done. So as they say, back in the saddle. Fantastic. Well, I'm excited to be here with you today and let's get started on today's GDT. Absolutely. Well, uh, just to start it out here, we had uh, a fairly positive auction today. The net result was 4.9% higher. This is our first positive auction in the last six auctions. The gains today were led by AMF up 13.9%. If you remember correctly, though, the uh, AMF was down uh, around 10% on the last auction, so regained a little bit of the ground it's lo- it lost. Cheddar was up 1%, butter up 3.3%. Skim milk powder, although futures were predicting it to be up more into the 4 and 5% category, it was up 1.5%. But finally, the big winner on the day was whole milk powder, up 5.1%. Still coming in a little bit less than the futures were anticipating, but it was a positive auction and regained all of the losses from the last auction and then some. So altogether, again, the net result is that this auction was 4.9% higher on the toll. And I think kind of from our, uh, well, let's see, the last GDT would have been three weeks ago, John, but it seems like this auction kind of had the same ramifications as last. It looks like from a uh, chart that was posted throughout the company, North Asia, and Southeast Asia and Oceania were were big players in this auction also. You know, yeah, there's a lot of a lot of interesting things taking place on the GDT. Traditionally, China has and 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 still remains probably the biggest and most influential participant on the GDT. When China is buying heavily, prices tend to go up. And when they're not buying so heavily, prices tend to go down. Chinese demand has really struggled here since March as they've gone into lockdowns. And March is when they went into the the renewed lockdowns and they've kind of come in and out of those. And as a result, their demand hasn't been really good. And that's probably why we saw the, the price move lower. Uh, Again, today was higher. This was the first positive auction in six auctions. And it's only the second positive auction since March 15th. So as the Chinese have been away, prices have gradually moved lower and lower and lower, particularly on whole milk powder. There was an expectation for today's auction that prices would be higher. And many people interpreted that as Look, the the Chinese are back in the market and they're back here to, you know, as going to be active buyers. And as soon as they step back in, prices are going to go higher. What we found today is, yes, prices went higher. But when we dug into the geographic breakdown, it wasn't quite the same picture that we would have expected. In fact, Chinese participation was relatively light. And so that was a a, a real interesting aspect of this, that the Chinese participation, relatively light, uh, whereas the other areas of the the world, being the Middle East and Southeast Asia, were very, very active. 
more so than they have been in the past. So at this moment in time, the other areas of the world are making up for the fact that the Chinese aren't participating in the same way that we would have expected. Right. And to that point, like we've talked about before, if this continues with the other regions, uh, you know, picking up where China has lacked thus far, having the Chinese in here in the GDT auction in the few coming weeks, if they are able to participate, should have pretty big ramifications on the overall auctions then, correct? You know, it is that proverbial glass half empty, glass half full argument here. The glass half full uh, opinion says, listen, we just went higher and came off our bottom without the Chinese here. Whole milk powder has been able to gain some ground here. And there are other people that have to buy it. The second that the Chinese come back in, which they have to do, right? Uh, and, and many people's opinion, and that they will eventually have to come back. These other areas of the world have already sucked up quite a bit of the product, and that we'll see prices move significantly higher once the Chinese get back in. The glass half empty side of things says, well, yeah, but the Chinese weren't here. We still haven't found them yet. And I guess I, I, I'm still sitting in a very neutral position when it comes to this. I just can't get on board with the idea of us moving significantly higher without the Chinese. And yet I, like many people, say, well, it's a matter of time before the Chinese come back in. So maybe there's a little bit of risk premium that's built in here again. But I, I just have to stand back and say it's hard for me to be wildly bullish without them in here. What I think we can take away from this is that the market is relatively supported, even in the absence of the Chinese bid. And if you say, well, how can the world be relatively supported in the absence of a Chinese bid? For me, it comes down to milk production. If we were just to say that overall, outside of, outside of the Chinese demand being down, right, that the rest of the world demand is, is relatively steady, I guess I would look at it to say... Yes, we, we've had a net loss of demand, and that is bearish, right, in itself. But that's being offset by the fact that we have less milk in Europe. We have less milk in New Zealand. More than likely, we actually have less milk in China due to some of their weather conditions. But even here in the U.S., since we've last been on the podcast, on this podcast, we've got a milk production report that showed us milk production here in the U.S., despite many of our expectations that, the, that milk production was going to grow, it really hasn't. I think we were 0.2% higher, Cody. Correct me if I'm wrong. Correct. And we actually revised the June number down a little bit. So milk really isn't growing here. So our milk supply is still relatively tight, despite the fact that our probably our net demand is down a little bit. And to me, that just shows us that, hey, we're, we're in this relatively supportive standpoint here. And we're probably in that as we move through the next few months here. If the Chinese come back in, I think we can again say, hey, that's really bullish. If the Chinese remain out, then we probably do see prices drift a little bit lower. But until we see milk production grow significantly, I think it just puts us in this very neutral territory at these relatively high prices. Absolutely. Switching gears kind of a little bit, John, talking about the price relation, especially the ones that we talk about most, butter, nonfat cheese in relation to the U.S., EU, and New Zealand. Butter is kind of on, on point in the United States and the, the EU at about 312, I think is the numbers that you came up with for our butter price. 
compared to the EU at 316. But nonfat and cheese uh, in the States here, lagging behind just a little bit in the pricing realm. Yes, they, they, they are. As you noted there, Cody, there's a bit of a discrepancy between New Zealand butter and the U.S. and EU butter, right? U.S., EU up here in this 312, 316 area, New Zealand down at 237. We don't export a whole lot of U.S. butter, right? We can and we will, but we, we don't export a lot of it. And I would dare say that these this price relationship is going to kill some exports here, right? But we're just not dependent on that. So things can get relatively out of line there. As you move over to the non-fat market, the non-fat market, we export over 50% of our non-fat skim production and sometimes up to 80%, right? So we're very, very reliant on or dependent, I should say, on the international price. This international price of skim on in New Zealand at $1.62 after today's result, and we're at $1.54. I think that's a fairly healthy relationship with each other. There might be some upside or downside from here on the US, but eight cents versus New Zealand, it's hard for me to get inside of that number and say it's too expensive or too cheap. As we get over to cheese though, I think the cheese world just there is a very wide discrepancy between the U.S. at a dollar seventy, you know, in the in the high one seventies on the average, I guess, and the EU at two fifty eight, and New Zealand about two thirty. And I, I would dare say that that cheese price has and will be attracting more exports. We are by far the cheapest cheese in the world. From the sounds of things, there's been a, quite a bit of export deals done. Uh, moving forward, if we look backwards, you can see exports of cheese have been extraordinary. We had another, I believe the import export report came out. I can't remember if we were, if it had come out before this last podcast, but the July export numbers, I believe it was July, they were another record. So a record run of exports. Um, and, and we're really kicking some cheese out the door here. And I, I suspect that we're going to continue to do that. And I think our shipping woes are getting better. Um, they're still going to be out there. And from time to time, they're still going to cause a problem. But I think in general, they're getting cleaned up. So I, if anything, I would expect that this auction itself coming in at, at just slightly higher cheese at 229 was probably, even though it was just steady on the GDT auction, it's probably very supportive for U.S. cheese prices moving forward. That's, I guess, good information to uh, definitely have housed. John, is there anything else from this specific GDT that we had today that kind of rang your bell a little bit? Something that you want to mention that just kind of stuck in the back of your brain that we haven't touched on already? Not in particular. I, I think we're all waiting for, you know, the next shoe to drop. And I think there was a lot of anticipation that this GDT may be that shoe to drop. You know, watching the auction, I was very excited if you will, just uh, excited, you know, you can take that however you want, but just to see something changing here, right? Uh, it was giving us a little bit of a direction to to be able to say, well, we think this can happen or that can happen and something to really pull me out of a, a neutral position. And I, I guess I was a little bit disappointed in the fact that, again, the, the Chinese just weren't here. And, it, and I guess that maybe I'm putting too much emphasis on that, but and in my mind's eye, and until we see the Chinese come back, that it's just hard to really, you know, feel like we're we're you know getting ready to move 
a lot higher, but at the same point in time, it's just very difficult for me to be bearish. So I guess I, I would just reinstate the idea that I think that this auction was very, you know, it reinstates the idea or or fortifies the idea of being neutral at these higher prices. Maybe we don't see fireworks in, in either direction, but we just hang around this. But, you know, when it comes to cheese, there's probably a little bit of room for upside here just due to the export market. I guess on that note, it'll give us about two weeks to kind of ponder and see if the, the Chinese come back to the global dairy trade. But until then, we appreciate everybody listening. If anyone has any questions, comments, or concerns, please feel free to get a hold of John or I, and we'll try to answer those to the best of your ability. But for the next two weeks, we'll be waiting and watching. Join us then for another GDT Tuesday. Everyone have a good week.